0: Intersection is brought to you by Social Health Institute, exploring new and innovative ways for hospitals and healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategies. Learn more at socialhealthinstitute.com.
1: I think our faith um, naturally leads to action and service and love.
0: Welcome to Intersection. I'm Bobby Routou, Storyteller.
1: My name is Rev. Mary Jane Wilson Parsons. I'm co-pastor at Seaside United Methodist Church in Sunset Beach, North Carolina.
0: What is your greatest passion?
1: My greatest passion is to assist others, uh, to learn how to be the hands and feet of Christ, to learn what their ministry is as disciples of Christ and help them to be equipped in the world to go out and serve.
0: Since 2013, the Duke Endowment has funded summer literacy programs in North Carolina designed to engage United Methodist rural churches and improve literacy among elementary school students in their communities. These summer literacy programs are providing more than just building confidence for the children. These host churches are providing nurturing relationships, nutritious meals, daily enrichment activities, and more importantly, a safe space for families to engage and chart a path for the future. I met Reverend Mary Jane Wilson Parsons in June, 2018. She is a co-pastor at Seaside United Methodist Church in Sunset Beach, North Carolina. She recognized a need in her community. Beyond the resort golf courses and high net worth retirees, that there are large pockets of poverty where underprivileged elementary children needed help. They needed help with basic literacy skills, especially during the summer months. This is called the Summer Slide. I found a unique intersection in this story, one that we at Gray Digital Group were telling for the Duke Endowment, to recruit more United Methodist churches in North Carolina to host summer literacy programs. The church was a safe space to teach literacy, not the schools a safe space for children, parents, teachers, and community partners to come together under one roof, one church roof. Their mission is to provide social justice for these children in the form of literacy skills so they could overcome the summer slide and perform just as well as other students in their classrooms. Describe where is Sunset Beach? Uh... It is where in North Carolina as it relates to
1: the Outer Banks and all the other stuff. Okay. Sunset Beach is in the extreme southeast corner of the state. It is just north of Myrtle Beach. It is about an hour south of Wilmington, North Carolina. And who lives here? Like,
0: who? When I rode here, I saw golf courses and golf courses, and golf courses, and golf courses. Who lives here?
1: We have a lot of retirees that live in this area, folks who have retired from professional careers of all sorts, the gamut, you name it, uh, from teachers to doctors to lawyers to um, all kinds of professional people, people who've worked in the government. So it's a pretty good wide array, but to put this in
0: context, our connection is through the Duke Endowment, mm-hmm. so working on a project together about literacy here in uh, at Seaside, but the Duke Endowment funds one of the areas that is most committed to is United Methodist Church, specifically United Methodist Church in North Carolina, the rural church, and you're considered a rural church. First of all, let's describe the rural church of North Carolina. What does that mean? And then let's talk about
1: Seaside. So describe that. I think most many rural churches in North Carolina are isolated from one another, isolated from communities. They're small churches. Um, Sometimes they're struggling churches. Um, But they're very disconnected. There's a lot of geography in North Carolina that is rural. So we are located in Brunswick County, not in one of the municipalities of Brunswick County. And so we are considered a rural church. We are a bit of an anomaly because we are a very large rural church. We are a church of a thousand members. We have about 525, 535 in three worship services every Sunday morning.
0: Talk about volunteering. You When we talked last time, in our interview for this for this project we're working on, this video we'll share later at some point. We sat down and had a conversation about the volunteering here, that people come here to retire and then they get bored. Mm-hmm. Describe that for us.
1: Okay. So um, people do come from all over the state of North Carolina and other parts as well. Seaside is affectionately referred to as the Yankee Church of the area. So we have many people that come in from up north uh, to retire. And they come here because there are hundreds of holes of golf to play (laughs) here. Many golf courses, beautiful golf courses, beautiful subdivisions, and a beautiful beach. Beautiful beaches. And they come here thinking that they're going to sit on the beach and read books or they're going to play golf every day. And after they do that for about six months, they're bored and they're wanting to do something more significant with their lives. And that's why you have
0: the congregation demographic that you have. Kind of describe that for us.
1: Yes, it, it's a professional congregation. It is an awesome, awesome congregation, diverse Congregation of uh, professional retired people uh, with vast experience in all walks of life and so much to give to the community.
0: So this is an interesting thing. You know, I I grew up in a Baptist church, and when I think about the church, I look across the space, and there's a lot of families with children. There's you have a population of retirees, but it's really families. This is more of a retired group. the The age group is a is the older generation, and and many people would think, well, if it's the older generation, it's, the church is going to slowly die out. But you said it's more people come here and retire, and then they go back home, and then there's always a good group of people coming through here. Yes. Talk about that that unique position of the, that you have here.
1: Yes. So at Seaside, we have about a twenty year window of um, uh, of, uh, of our retirees being here, they retire uh, around uh, anywhere from 55 to 65 generally, and then they live here for 15, 20, maybe 22 years. and then at that point their health becomes such that they need to move back to be closer to families. So um, or perhaps they, pass away. So uh, these are the active years of retirement and they come with time on their hands and with money to spend and enthusiasm. And there's a lot of volunteering going on here.
0: Yes, there is. I mean, you it's Tuesday. What's happening? I walked in the church and it's busy. It's yes. Tuesday morning.
1: Tuesday morning, boom. <laughs> so every Tuesday morning throughout the whole year, we have our food pantry that Receives people from Brunswick County uh, who need food assistance, supplement to supplement what they're, they have already. And so we receive about 50, 60 families on, on a normal week. Um, the clients come in, they receive the food that we purchase from the local food bank, also, that is supplemented with food resources donations from the various grocery stores in the area and then after they've received their food they can get their blood pressure checked by one of our health and wellness nurses and then they can go down to the edge of the field free store edge of the field being a reference to the book of ruth and how people glean from the poor come and glean from the edge of the field uh, in order to eat and and the free store uh there's uh, clothing, there's house goods, there's diapers, things that they can have for free to help them.
0: And there's uh, something else going on yes. here. And, <laughs> and, and, and I love this section because this is when, <laughs> to paint a picture of her, she gets excited. The first time I interviewed about this, you not only got excited, but you cried. What else is going on here?
1: Well, uh, just this week, we started the fifth year of our STARS program. STARS is Seaside Teaching and Reaching Students. It is a six-week literacy camp for rising second, third, and fourth graders in our now two target schools in Southern Brunswick County.
0: So let's paint the picture of the need. Talk about the need here.
1: Okay, so there there are at least two Brunswick counties, really. There there are the beautiful subdivisions with beautiful homes and manicured golf courses that line the edge of the coast. And uh, the people who come here with um, money resources and time resources. But then there's the other Brunswick County, Uh, The working poor, who may be working three or four jobs just to make ends meet from month to month. Um, And they are struggling in so many ways.
0: And this camp is really serving who? Now, obviously the families, there's a need, but let's get down to the, the even more intentional need here children. Talk about the need with the children.
1: So Brunswick County is just like every other county in the country. We have a drug problem here. And so we have families where the adults are caught up in drugs and the children are suffering because of that. No fault of their own. They just happen to be in a family where the adults are caught up in the addiction of drugs or alcohol. Um, We have Hispanic families who have come from perhaps very dangerous places and they're trying to help their children to find a better life. Um, They are working very hard but sometimes they're limited in language and they need help to be able to help their children to learn the language and to uh, become a part of this community. Then we have uh, just just the working poor who are so struggling uh, with um, jobs that don't provide a, a livable wage. And so they're working multiple jobs. And so the children get left out of that equation sometimes because the parents are just working themselves to death, frankly.
0: So it it's at the end of the school year, the kids are out of school now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they go home, and um, they're back in an environment that doesn't promote literacy. And we've seen the research. Let's talk about the research a little bit. The summer slide.
1: Yes. Talk about
0: the summer slide for children regardless of socioeconomic situations, but then let's put it into context of this. Mm-hmm. Talk about the summer slide.
1: Yes, yeah, so um, in the summertime, there there might be some slide among all children because they're not in class. They're not reading every day. They're not engaging with books. Um, but the, the more affluent children, uh, the children in higher socioeconomic levels, they're they're going on vacations, they're they're going to museums, they're they're continuing to engage because their parents have time and resources, financial resources that can help those children to engage. So the the summer slump or slide is not as great for them, or maybe not at all. Uh, whereas children from lower socioeconomic groups or or children that are living in homes where the parents are struggling just to understand English, uh, they are really sliding backwards over the summer months. And so then when the kids all come back to school in the fall, they've not only lost some of what they learned the year before, but they've lost over the course of the summer.
0: And so this is why this was created, is to help those students and these children in lower economic statuses not deal with that summer slide or prevent that. Right. Talk about the vision of this program and how it was created and what does it turn into be.
1: Okay, so so STARS began as a conversation between myself and a couple of church members who wanted to see some kind of an after-school Program And what we thought to begin with was that we would help kids who were like latchkey children um, after like more of a true after school program, like a homework center or something. Um, With the help of the Duke Endowment, we expanded that vision tremendously to think more in terms of that summer slump, that summer reading loss and helping children who... Who lose ground every summer, um, to, to not lose that ground, but to help, help them. And, and these children that, that are identified by our target schools, we know that even though they are just maybe rising second graders, they are already falling behind their classmates. And, and, uh, so second, third, and fourth graders that are, beginning to fall behind already they're not where they need to be in their reading and if and if we don't help them catch up they're never going to catch up
0: i was just in the classroom with there's four classrooms at the church and i've walked through i've been taking pictures and capturing video and i look at the faces and i think about i was thinking about my children And then I thought about them, and I was listening to the teachers work with them. And I was just amazed how their faces lit up the moment that they got out of the car and walked through the door. Talk about what this means to these kids.
1: Oh, my gosh. Just last night after the parent- uh, family dinners that we have on Monday nights. One of the Stars kids. Now, this was at the end of the very first day of Stars for this year. One of the little girls r- walked up to me and she said, "I want to stay here. Can I just stay here all night and and just I want to stay here forever?" <laughs> and um, you know, by the by, the end of the six weeks, man, they are super pumped. They just they want to come back here every summer. Um, they love it. they love it, even though they're sitting in classrooms in the mornings with teachers from the school system and teachers' assistants from the school system um they're they're just loving it. You're wiping your tears. <laughs> Why? It touches my heart that these children are um that we're ministering to the children.
0: L- Let's talk about how we're ministering to them. Okay. I I think about, and I, I want to set context here for me personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a daughter who's six, will be seven. She's in kindergarten during the first grade. And we just had twins. And we've had a conversation about uh-huh. that. And the first year with the twins was a very tough year. And she started kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And kindergarten became her happy place. Because our house was just crazy. I mean, we had We were just trying to figure out how to take care of twins. And she was dropped into this world of not just a new brother, but two new brothers and parents that are trying to figure this out. And so school was a happy place for her. But we love her and we give her, you know, we we have the resources, we have the time, the energy. And then I thought about that for a second, about the children here who we don't know what homes are coming out of. And so the, to see that engagement is amazing to understand. Describe that. What? Why do you think these kids are not only excited about learning, what else are they excited about?
1: This place gives them hope for so many different reasons. Uh, some of them are not eating during the summer not eating very much. Uh, We know that they're nutrition insufficient uh, for the summertime. We've seen through the years of STARS children hoarding food from the meals that we serve them or hoarding snacks. They'll tell us that they're taking food home to their brothers and sisters, that they want to save part of their lunch so they can take it home to a sibling so that their sibling has something to eat. Um, we try to um, minister to that issue through sending home food every weekend for the kids to eat um, until they can come back to us on Monday morning. With our parent dinners on Monday nights, we're feeding uh, the whole family a nutritious meal and then oftentimes we're sending home a bag of food with the families from our food pantry on monday nights as well to help supplement um, what they're getting from wherever
0: now a quick break to give a quick shout out to the network that sports intersection touchpoint media a collection of podcasts dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare, including digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, CIO and technology strategies, the challenges of the online physician, the power of the e-patient, and most importantly, the power of storytelling. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health. Let's rejoin the show. So this camp is about literacy, but it's more than literacy.
1: Oh, gosh, yes. What
0: what, what is this camp really about?
1: Yeah. So, yes, in the mornings, it's all about literacy. And in the afternoons, it's supplementing the learning that they've done in the mornings. But they're getting music education. They're going on field trips. They're seeing places around the county that they've never seen before. They're having science uh uh, retired teachers who have been science teachers coming in working with them they uh home home depot comes in and helps them build birdhouses and different things Um, they're going to the public library once a week they're learning how to use a library and check out books uh, they're going swimming on Monday afternoons. They're learning how to swim. Many of them have never been in a pool before. They've never been in the water before. So they're b- getting exposed to to that. They're going to First tea and they're learning leadership skills through the First tea program. They're learning art. Uh, all kinds of things are happening in the afternoons. So in order to learn, you have
0: to be able to have teachers.
1: That's right. Talk about who teaches
0: this. Who are these people that are leading these things?
1: In the mornings, uh, we hire teachers from the school system and teacher's assistants from the school system. We're able to do that through the gracious gifts of the Duke Endowment. In the afternoon, it's all volunteers except for a couple of leadership positions that are overseeing the um, we have 70 to 80 volunteers here every summer from the church and the community um, that they, they come in and, and lead all kinds of different activities with the kids. Uh,
0: so you have to be able to uh, attract certified teachers to lead these programs. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to find these teachers? And talk about that a little bit.
1: Um, no, it's not hard to find these teachers. In fact, because... Unfortunately, North Carolina teachers are not paid very well, and so many times the teachers in the summertime are working at McDonald's, or they're cleaning beach houses, or doing other jobs to supplement their income in the summertime. That, and I mean, I could talk about that for days, too, but so, to have a well paying job in the summertime where they're using their skills and looks great on their resume, I'm sure, you know, uh, it's a blessing for them. And,
0: you know, we've talked, I've interviewed the teachers, and the first thing they talk about is this is a place that I can come and really teach. That in the school system, I have a curriculum, I have to follow certain guidelines, but I can come to Seaside or I can come to a rural church and I can not only teach, but I can also inter- intermix my faith in there too. Talk about the joy that the teachers bring that's different, that they get to do something beyond the scope of their normal year.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you
0: Can you share a little bit about that? They do
1: have more freedom here to... They have a smaller class size um, they have a, every teacher has an assistant which they don't necessarily have during the school year. So you have maybe eight to ten kids in a room with an assistant. You're doing a lot of one-on-one work with kids that you're not able to do in the in the public school sphere.
0: So this grant from the Duke Endowment, is serving the children it's serving the parents and it's serving the teachers too Mm
1: -hmm. it's pretty smart stuff and don't forget about how it's serving the volunteers as well because their horizons are being broadened they're seeing things that maybe they've never seen before they're um, having an opportunity to minister to children and to minister to families that they probably would never have interacted with if it had not been for the STARS program.
0: So let's talk about outcome to the STARS program. It's got to be successful if you keep on doing it. Yes. You know, it's got to hit some metrics because the Duke Endowment really encouraged tracking. Talk about the success of the program each year.
1: So we have to, we have to smile because... Um, The Harvard researcher that the endowment brought on board to help us to see positive outcomes and to track data, Um, she was skeptical when she first started working with our program and with the Ubuntu program, which is in Statesville, uh, across the state. Um, And she didn't see how a six-week program could make a real positive impact, really moved the needle for these kids. And after she looked at the data and saw what was happening in the school system with these children, as we have as we have tried to follow these children now uh, for four years and seen how they have moved into success in academics. She had to say, "You know, I was wrong. I, I really, I really didn't think this would make an impact, but gosh darn it, it does."
0: <laughs> so, so what type of metrics are showing that there is success? Is it increased scores?
1: Talk about the scores and yeah. all that stuff. Scores are going up. Yeah, Dibble scores. Hmm. Yes, and they're and then the kids during the school year are doing better academically than they have done in years past. Now, now we're, we're still tracking data and we're becoming more and more intentional about how we track that data. We're working toward having a control group. This is with the help of the endowment again. Um, so we'll be able to point to even stronger data, I believe. In the years to come, why
0: was Dr. Chen from Harvard skeptical? Let's and and obviously that's a question for her, but let, let's let's talk about that skepticism. Mm-hmm. Why would people be skeptical about a reading program in a church?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think?
1: Well, um, hmm, I guess there might be several reasons why she might be skeptical. First of all, just the brevity of the program—six weeks, half days in the classroom. How, you know, how much difference can you make in the lives of children in that short a time? Um, maybe also resources of um, people in the church. Um, I think that they, uh, I mean, as as I've said, we have such vast people skills here, life experiences here, that uh, people are just... So willing to jump in and say, I can help the kids with this or that or whatever.
0: And I think this leads me to a couple big questions that I have. When I think about reading programs, I think about, oh, it's going to be at the library. They're the educator of the community. Oh, it's going to be at the elementary school. They're the educator of the community. They understand the needs. Oh, it's at the church? Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm you know, we had this conversation before. We're intermixing education and faith. What's that all
1: about? Why do you think that combination works? Christ mandated it. Christ mandated that we be the hands and feet. Of Christ in the world uh, when did you see me hungry and you know when did you see me thirsty when did you see me naked and the Great Commission as well to go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ and, uh, and, and teach and do and be I think our faith um, naturally leads to action and service and love.
0: And would you say that's created a culture of trust with the children? That they can let down their guard a little bit Mm -hmm. when they walk through the doors? That maybe it's a little bit different from the school. This is a place of safety. Do you think that children receive that in a different way than may not be expected in other types of reading programs?
1: I think so. I hope so. I know that they're, they're pretty terrified when they first walk in these doors and their families are pretty terrified too. You can really see those walls up around them. And as we work with them, as we are a welcoming community, as we are a community of love and openness, um, as we try to help um, the families to succeed, and they see that we are here to help them succeed and to help their children succeed, then those walls go down and and they do they do warm up to us and i I think that again, just as the volunteers would oftentimes never connect with this community of people, so likewise, This community would never feel like they were welcome or um, accepted or loved in this place. The STARS program is a gateway for folks to enter the church that would never feel welcome in the church otherwise.
0: You're ministering to these children Mm -hmm. through education, through love. The volunteers are ministering. The teachers are ministering are the children ministering to you
1: yes mm. <laughs> absolutely as i said that that child last night um can i just basically move in and live here yes their hearts their hearts are open and my heart's break for them sometimes uh for th- what they're going through at home
0: but you talk about the graduations. Yes, what a and, joyful time! And you talk about, and and I, and I guess I'm interested to find out from you. You see, it's such a transformation mm-hmm. when they leave. Yes, is that really what makes you keep on doing it, or is it the data?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's both. <laughs> it's both. You know, it's it's good. It's good to be able to see that. The data is backing up what we're doing, but probably more so the opportunity for the doors of the church to be flung open wide. (laughs) Yes.
0: You know, and the reason why I love this so much, this, and I really wanted to spend time with you this morning is, you know, the vision behind the the Duke Endowment is to scale this, Mm -hmm. take it across North Carolina.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And they have to get certain churches on board to figure out, to, to get it in the right place to scale it. So if they're going to scale it, obviously there's a need.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the church is the beacon of the community.
1: When or it you, used to be the beacon of the community. I'm not sure that it always is anymore.
0: But how do you think this is this could trans, transform North Carolina you know, through the rural church? How do you think this could truly impact if it was able to scale?
1: This is an opportunity for the local church and the rural community to really make a difference in the lives of their communities, um, to mm-hmm. to become that beacon of hope again.
0: You know, the mainline church is struggling right now. They're 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 trying to be more intentional where their outreach is. You know, the, the congregations are shifting. What told you we're not going to do these other things? We are focusing here. This is our mission, because you could be doing so
1: much other stuff in the community. Mm-hmm.
0: What made you so intentional about this?
1: It was led by the Holy Spirit. That's all I can say. You know that we we. But uh, you
0: can. But sometimes you don't listen to the Holy Spirit. What made
1: you listen? and Say, you know what? We got to do this. I think the Holy Spirit <laughs> was. Uh, speaking through those two people that came to my office door and said, "We got to talk about what we can do for the children," when I when I put it out to the congregation one Sunday morning, and in, in sermons and in all three of our services, and people just flooded me after the service and said, "Sign me up! Sign me up! Sign me!" You know, the Holy Spirit was speaking to those folks that morning, and it was just evident that. This is what we needed to do. This is where we needed to go. And then, going to annual conference, sitting in the back of the annual conference room, and writing the grant to the endowment with with June Atkinson, the uh, state and you know head of public instruction, there as a keynote speaker that year, um, just telling the whole annual annual conference how great, how dire the need is that we help children in our communities.
0: Why should other churches consider taking on literacy as an initiative in their communities, especially in North and South Carolina?
1: It is a win-win-win. We minister to the children in the name of Jesus Christ. We minister to their families. We, put, we become a, a congregation that the community looks to and says, that church is making a difference in the community. That church is where we want to go. And we've had so many people that have come to this church to connect with this church because they would ask people in the community when they retire here, where's a good church to go to? And people point to Seaside and they say, that church is involved in missions. That church is making a difference.
0: And it's an amazing connection also with the Duke Endowment, where they see it too
1: mm-hmm.
0: how important has that relationship been to make this possible
1: it's been tremendously important because they helped us to catch the broader vision of of, of the literacy camp it, it's helped us to engage more volunteers our capacity has grown in in our our volunteer outreach our connection with the community with civic groups with other nonprofits in the in the county and and then to connect with the families on a more meaningful level than just you know if we had followed that dream of an after school program it would have been a good program and we would have we would have helped some kids but man we are really you know we're making a difference, connecting with the families, not only the children but the families, and it's a lasting connection.
0: Um, I want to wrap this up because you're a busy woman, but last couple thoughts that I'm, I've always been inspired by, is I've worked with a lot of different foundations, and the work of the Duke Endowment is isn't really talked about much. It's an undercurrent. You don't hear about them much, but the work is amazing work. From your perspective, how would you talk about them? How would you share what their impact has been in this community?
1: It's been tremendous. We could not have done the work here at Seaside in this literacy program if it were not for the endowment. We are deeply indebted. Mm -hmm. To the endowment, both in support, encouragement, training, as well as the financial piece. And and they're invested for the long haul. My husband and I were involved in another grant, in another community where we worked with women and children in poverty. And and they were they were with us in that program too. So The Duke Endowment has a long-term investment in making rural North Carolina a stronger place and a better place.
0: Last question. What makes this rural church so special to you?
1: The combination of people who are seeking to know Jesus Christ, to grow their faith, and to engage in ministry in meaningful ways. It is truly an exciting place to be.
0: And, you know, I, I just want to just really commend you uh, for this program. I, I, I have to say when I walked in, I was kind of like Dr. Chen. I wasn't sure what to expect. And then I met the people and we interviewed and we talked and I saw the passion I heard it from the volunteers, I heard it from the teachers, I heard it from you. And then I saw this morning capturing the imagery of the of the children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's you just can't describe it, can you?
1: It's magical. It's of God. It truly is of God. Thank you for helping us to to get this word out so that other places, other churches can find that that magic that's of God
0: you're awesome my fav my new favorite friend <laughs> Mary Jane Wilson Parsons is it pastor or co-pastor is that what's co-pastor the co-pastor of Seaside Church thank you so much thank you Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and exploration. Most importantly, the many intersections inside the world of storytelling. Intersection is powered by Touchpoint Media Network, a podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Go to touchpoint.health for many other podcasts exploring digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, CIO, technology strategies, the challenges of the online physician, the power of the patient, and most importantly, the power of storytelling. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health. Have a good day.